Happy holidays, listeners. It's me, Noah Alvarez, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Podfathers podcast. Hope y'all are having a wonderful winter break, enjoying your time off of school if you're a student, or your time off work if you work at a school, like me. It's been abnormally cold lately in the usually warm Southern California, but that won't stop these hot takes. And on this episode, Jacob Fanshawe and I go over our 10 most memorable sports moments of 2018. It was a remarkable year in sports because time after time we saw an underdog come out on top. Week 17 in the NFL is right around the corner as well as the college football playoffs, so that's exciting. We'll have some content in the coming weeks covering those areas. We have a Best Movies of 2018 podcast dropping early next week as well, so stay tuned for that. And as always, thanks to Generic Sports for the instrumental playing in the background. You can check him out at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and share us with your friends. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Search The Podfathers Podcast. Without further ado, here is Jacob and I counting down our favorite sports moments of 2018. So being that the year is coming to an end, 2019 is right around the corner, it makes for a good time for us to kind of go over and reflect the year in 2018 specifically from a sports side of things. Just like any year, I think there's always a lot of great sports moments, but I feel like 2018 had definitely a very bountiful of sports moments, and specifically the theme, I think what you could say is the theme of the underdog. A lot of teams and moments where teams shouldn't have won, players shouldn't have done this, and we saw a lot of that, Jacob. So I think both of us, we're gonna compile basically our top 10 moments of 2018, and I'm really looking forward to it because, like I said before the show, we haven't told each other our list at all. So I, I'm going to really look forward to the reactions that we're going to have. But Like little schoolgirls telling each other our crushes. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Let's get excited. Uh, I'll let you start it off. Go ahead. We'll start with your number 10. Greatest sports moments of 2018. 10, and this I feel it's a fitting. I have to give them a nod, but I put them last on my list. The Red Sox winning the World Series. Mm. Um, I think you could argue that the Red Sox have become the new evil empire in baseball. It's no longer the Yankees. They mm-hmm. have, they've been there, but they have not gotten over that hump just quite yet. They have a good team. Watch out for 2019, but we're not going to go in discussion on that. So <laughs> Red Sox winning the World Series. Yeah, it's a bitter pill. I had to write that out, but it's still an achievement nonetheless. And they had a great, great historic team. Yeah, and rarely ever do you see a team that dominated the regular season as they did kind of go on to the postseason and exactly. carry that momentum. We've seen like the Mariners struggle that one year. We saw the Red Sox who struggled last year. They had the best record in the regular season. So a lot of times you see that not always the best regular season translates to a really good postseason. Number 10 for me, I had to go soccer. I had to go World Cup. I had to go Croatia and their path to the World Cup finals. Because to me, I don't really follow soccer that much, but I know a little bit here and there. Croatia is a a country that has a population of 4 million. They have no business being in the World Cup final. But they somehow managed with a bunch of kind of scrappy players. That's what I liked. It was a very scrappy team. They were undersized, didn't have the most talented players. But they just kind of like outworked, and they were kind of like that, you know, that little like dog that never goes away. And they went undefeated all the way to the finals. They lost to France, unfortunately. But I thought watching them kind of like overcome and defeat Argentina they defeated Denmark, they defeated England, they defeated host team Russia. They defeated a lot of good teams, and I was like, wow, this was, it was truly a remarkable path, and I think it fit in with the year, the underdog type of theme that went on this year. I like that, and I'll tell you why. Croatia actually resisted Nazi invasion back in World War II, so something yeah. about them Croatians in that water. Resilient nature. <laughs> 
Funnily enough, number nine has to do with the World Cup, and it was Mexico beating Germany in the opening oh. round of the World Cup. I, I'm not a soccer guy, but let me tell you, I remember yes. waking up that day and feeling there's something special in the air, and of course, Mexico upset Germany, and that mm-hmm. was, anytime Germany loses, I think the world kind of takes <laughs> uh, a solace in it, you know? Yeah. Like, I hate to say it, but you start two world wars, and the world's yeah. not going to like you. Right. So, Germany losing with a huge, big thing, but mm-hmm. having to direct it back to sports, Germany's soccer team was like almost like a buzzsaw, according right. to what media had made it out to be, and they were the favorites to win mm-hmm. the Russian World Cup. And then, of course, they lose in the opening round in Mexico, and that Mexico was a scrappy fighting team that people didn't expect to go very far, especially against that opening round against Germany. So yeah. a very impressive win. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was not a close game, if I'm not mistaken. I it, didn't write down the score. I couldn't. I'm, it was 1-0. Oh, never that mind. Was, yeah, yeah, that was, is a close game. They, they it was a close game, but it was just, uh, I Great. remember... Mexico played great defense all throughout the game, though. Yeah. That I do remember. They did, and especially against a more dominant Germany team. Kind of like Croatia, Mexico's the undersized team. Germany's not much more talented, and they won the 2014 World Cup. So, like you said, they were going in favorites. I was going to mention this as an honorable mention. But, yeah, because we live in Southern California, I felt like, man, just the, especially because I live down the street in Santa Ana, fireworks were going off. They are having whole-ass parades on the street because Mexico won, and it was a huge moment. I definitely agree. Like, it was... Truly, and when Chucky, Chucky Lozano hit that goal, I mean, that was truly impressive because I don't think anyone expected. I think everyone was hoping at best for a tie, and somehow they managed to pull off a victory, and everyone was like, wow. Um, coming in at number nine, I have the Eagles upsetting the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52, 41-33, with backup Nick Foles. Earlier in the year, the Eagles lost quarterback Carson Wentz, and Nick Foles went on this parade of a postseason, really good play during the postseason. They were underdogged in every game up until the World, even in the Super Bowl, they were underdogs. Or, and Foles went on to throw 373 yards, three touchdowns, and he caught a touchdown pass. Um, it was truly another underdog experience to go with the theme of 2018. Coach Peterson, really good coach. I think he really believed in his guys, and they kind of worked back with them. I think that was truly an amazing team, an amazing story they went on, a good run. Interesting. I have that further on my list. Okay. Number eight, uh, the NFL cheerleaders and their civil lawsuit against the NFL. I felt that was significant because the NFL has been struggling these last three to four years on mm-hmm. the public image and whether it be domestic violence and abuse facing their players. Now that this comes out featuring the women that are supposed to be, you know, part of the game. It's when you think of football, you think just as much of the cheerleaders as much as you do as much as you do what's going on on the field. Right. And for them to kind of have a civil a class action lawsuit against the NFL, that's quite, that, that's big news. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show a little bit of that glass ceiling being broken. We're not going to delve too much into politics behind mm-hmm. it, but I still think it's worth mentioning in within sports because sports is, we have to remember, sports is not bigger than life. Right. And we're avid fans of it and we, we want to support it, but sometimes you have to remind yourself that not everybody appreciates it the same way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes really crummy things are done in the name of winning and winning culture and mm-hmm. stuff like that serves as a great reminder that you need to re- remember it's it, tis but a game. The sun yeah. will rise and we'll set the next day. So I felt it was significant and prominent to put on the list. That was well said. Coming in at number eight for me, we're going to go on to the NBA side of things. Rewind back to game one of the NBA Finals and J.R. Smith's blunder. Uh, the game was tied 107 with less than 10 seconds left on the clock. <laughs> yes, it led to that infamous LeBron meme. But... Um, the, one of the Warrior players missed a free throw. Excuse me, it was one of the Cavaliers player missed a free throw. J.R. Smith grabbed the rebound, and he started dribbling the ball like he, the, they had just won the game. Of course, like I said, there's infamous 
after the clock had buzzered off because J.R. Smith didn't get a pass off till last minute. <laughs> I and, thought we were up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they basically, Famous last words. He basically thought they were up, and to that extent, the Cavaliers eventually lost that game and eventually got swept. That was the only game that was competitive, too, in that final, so it kind of sucks that J.R. Smith had a moment like that, a brain fart, and, um, of course, he'll never be able to live that down. They'll probably put that on his grave. But, yeah, that comes in at number eight for me. He was off that Henny, man. Come on now. <laughs> Anything is possible. Uh, number seven is Loyola Chicago advancing to the mm. Final Four. And, I, again, that's two things on my list that I had to write with a heavy heart Oof. and disdain in my voice. Because if you remember, I had Loyola Chicago knocked out in the first round against Miami. And mm-hmm. I remember how upset I was that my bracket was busted. And yeah. you and a few other friends had to tell me, Jacob, you got to appreciate the magic that's going on. But it was yeah. so hard for me because I was so certain that I'd pick such a good field for March Madness. And once again, I fell prey to the fact that I did not uh, give a – I did not give the upsets room to breathe. Right. And again, that's that's bitten me in the ass. Yeah. So maybe this year I'll learn and I'll pick a few more upsets. But unfortunately, Loyola Chicago – It's hard to pick Miami those upsets. And they went on a magnificent <laughs> run. And it's quite amazing that uh, I believe Sister Jean, she yeah. did not die from excitement because oh, literally – she's 98. Yeah, I don't know how her little heart did that, man. It's pretty <laughs> <That's>, impressive. <laughs> Shout out to Sister Jean. <laughs> that's further down on my list, so I'll briefly mention that later. Going back to number seven – New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl, Oklahoma and Georgia. What a back and forth game it was. Georgia came out on top 54 to 48 in a double overtime game that featured so many great players Baker Mayfield, DeAndre Baker, uh, Rayquan, Rokon Smith, Sony Michelle, uh, Nick Chubb. There was just a lot of players, a lot of so much NFL talent on both sides. And it was truly amazing back and forth game. I was hoping for Oklahoma to pull it out, but I think Lincoln Riley went for a field goal instead of going for a touchdown. And I kind of like set the tone for Georgia to stage this comeback and they're able to advance to the national championship. But that was a really fun game. Probably the most fun playoff game, I think, in its short existence. Well, that's what you'd expect from the granddaddy of them all, the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl. So I, I wouldn't expect anything less from this year's Rose Bowl featuring Washington and Ohio State, which I'm sure we'll cover in another time, maybe closer right. to the bowl season, or closer to the bigger bowl seasons because mm-hmm. the bad boy uh, Sasparilla Mowers Bowl, we don't care about, to be honest <laughs> with you. Now, number six for me is uh, the XFL is back. I remember reading, I think it was our first show, our first couple yeah. of shows, Vince Mahone, uh, or Mick Mahone, had come out and he said the XFL is going to make another return, mm-hmm. and this time it was going to be a lot more organized and well-polished, there was going to be an actual schedule, actual training, mm-hmm. and I don't know, man, mm-hmm. I don't watch Canadian football, and XFL just might be a nice distraction from the serious football, and it might be something goofy to watch, I, I don't know, I felt that it was worth mentioning and once again serves as a reminder to all of us that sports is supposed to be fun and we're supposed to be able to enjoy ourselves watching it so what a better way than to watch dudes that he hate me (laughs) and others with classic (laughs) names to kind of go up back out on the field and ball out so we'll see how that shakes out i'm sure i think it was nbc or abc that had the deal so keep your eyes peeled Mm -hmm. on your tv i think it's set for i think so i saw them coming out staged for 2021 i have the notes way back when it's 2020 2020 so We'll see. Yeah, I, that's, we, that's, kind of, that's sooner than I thought it would be. Yeah. So they got to yeah. get the ball rolling on that. Uh, it's Vince McMahon. Vince by the way. McMahon. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Um, coming in at night, my number six, and I kind of teased it a little earlier. Spitgate, uh, October twentieth, LeBron's home debut against the Houston Rockets. You know, it's all about LeBron in LA, but instead, it was kind of sidetracked by Rondo and Chris Paul's whole debacle and that led into a brawl and Brandon Ingram got involved and then whole NBA Twitter I don't that's know if you right have... I did see that with Wozniak or uh, what's his name uh, 
what I can't pronounce his last name on Twitter. Wo- Woj. Woj. We just call, yeah, we just okay. call him Woj. Woj. There you go. Yeah, Adrian Woj. <laughs> That's all you need to say. <laughs> <laughs> the NBA insider. But yeah, there was a whole there was a whole ass debate, and NBA Twitter became all of a sudden investigators. Each and every one the of these guys. Film. It was frame by frame. It was yeah, beautiful. frame by frame because Chris Paul put his finger in Rondo's face, which led to Rondo punching him. But Chris Paul then said. You know, Rondo was only gonna, uh, he only put his finger in Rondo's face because he spit on him. And then there's like one video where you can see an angle of Rondo, you know, kind of making that spitting motion, but then he, he reported he had a mouthpiece in it. It's really hard to spit with the mouthpiece in. So it was just, it was kind of funny. And then it was like maybe his teammate Carmelo did it because there was a another camera angle. There were so many camera angles that were coming out day by day by day that led to like, it was a huge thing. Like that whole spit gate thing probably lasted a good week. And I, I just love that kind of stuff when uh, Twitter when something happens in sports and then Twitter can run with it for a whole other week. Well, and Twitter provide can us. run with damn yeah. well anything. But uh, he said something about his mama, man. You <laughs> can't say anything yeah. about your mama. Number five for me, again, a sport that I don't often follow, but I know I read enough headlines and enough articles to know that it was a big enough deal. The Capitals winning the Stanley Cup. They mm. finally got over the hump in what had been a long drought, I believe, in their franchise history. Yeah. So for following the underdog theme this year, as we've so aptly said throughout this podcast... You know, gotta give gotta give love to the Canadians, okay? Mm-hmm. So, north of the border. Yeah, Alex Ovechkin too. Uh, he was kind of like the LeBron of hockey, and he finally won his first Stanley Cup. So that's always kind of cool, like when the best player finally gets to win the championship. You know, that was it was a good moment for like him when too. When Kershaw wins a World Series ring, <clears throat> I don't think it'll happen. Anyways, <laughs> moving on to number my number five. It's gonna go back to the national championship game. We talked about the college football semifinal, but uh, Tua Tagovailoa he came in at halftime with Bama down thirteen to nothing. Nick Saban had to bench Jalen Hurts, and Tua comes in and kind of just shakes up Georgia's defense. They end up winning that game twenty six to twenty three on a walk off touchdown. He he throws for three touchdowns, one hundred sixty six yards. But that kind of started a, a whole nother. We've seen Alabama have the great defenses, the great linemen, the great. Linebackers, the great receivers from Julio to Calvin Ridley, great running backs, but rarely ever have we seen them have a really dynamic quarterback that can do both and really excel at a high level. And they finally got their guy in Tua, and it's like a whole nother Alabama team. It's so much scarier. You yes. know what I mean like it's really going to be unfortunate that Tua can't play in this year's semifinal game. But going back to last year's championship, I mean that really set the bar to an Alabama team that we've never seen before because Tua is such a dynamic quarterback. Damn dogs. Couldn't hold that 13-point lead. It was mm-hmm. confirmed that day that God hated Georgia football. Because it started with Atlanta in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and it trickled down in the college football collegiate system. Right. So hopefully they get that curse lifted. Now for number four, <laughs> another thing I had to write with a heavy heart, and my hands were barely moving, but Otani pitches oh. and hits. And you know how much how I feel about that. I'm surprised you put it that so high. high. Well, it was... Mm. Look, it was a, a significant thing. Yeah. And are we going to see it ever again? No. I hope not. So, I, I just I had to give the guy credit. Okay, yeah. he pitched and he hit. Did he do either particularly well? Yes. No, in my opinion. I, I, but but even so, it's still a significant thing, especially in the sport of baseball, a sport that is such a demanding sport and it's hard enough to play one position to yet alone to do two. Mm-hmm. I have to give the tip of the cap. Okay, mm-hmm. I have to try to be as unbiased as I possible. So I'm truly impressed by your decision on that. that. That he breaks top four. I, I know, but I thought. If you were, I didn't even put that in, but I, I'm surprised. Wow, that you put now that, that, in. that surprises me. A man of culture such as himself, you're not putting in Shohei Otani with a sports writer? Or <laughs> Going to my number four, and this is where you had somebody uh, lower than I did. I had University of Loyola Chicago. 
coming in with Sister Jean as an 11 seed. They defeated Miami, then they defeated Tennessee, the three seed, seven seed in Nevada, and then nine seeded Kent State, Kansas State, all the way until they lost in the Final Four to Michigan. But it was truly a remarkable team because I think a lot, they kind of, we saw UMBC, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but we saw UMBC upset the number one seed and they kind of got deflated out in the second round. But University of Chicago, Loyola Chicago was that kind of Cinderella that went all the way. They went the distance. Never has an 11 seed gone to a Final Four. So it was really cool to see Chicago of Loyola do that. And Sister Jean, the whole hype around her. I mean, like you said, props to her for not dying during that time. They've got a great law program. Mm -hmm. They do. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, now you had this a lot lower on your list than I, Eagles winning Super Bowl 52. I thought it was kind of, once again, uh, Patriots are favored, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's Tom Brady, so you kind of much, I wouldn't say you chalk it up as a win, but, but mo- you lean heavily towards the Patriots with Tom right. Brady. And it, the Eagles pulled it out. They did the unthinkable, and my brother all of a sudden became an Eagles fan. After that. So oh, man. Who's to he's say? Young. He's young. Yeah, he's young. We got to get him on the Bills trade. But, uh, but even so, I thought that was pretty remarkable for their first franchise win, or first Super Bowl in franchise, su- first Super Bowl win in franchise history. Yes. I thought it was impressive and got to give. I forgot about that. It was. Yeah. My number three was a Monday Night Football game. It was the Rams Chiefs. Oh, yeah. About three, four weeks ago. And it really showed, well, the Rams defeated the Chiefs 54-51, to but I think it showed kind of like the new style of the NFL to come because with all the kind of like the, the new rules and the new penalties protecting a lot of these offensive players from the quarterbacks so you can't hit receivers over the middle too much, I think we're going to see a lot of more players on the offensive side and a lot of more coaches, especially the offensive minds from Sean McVay's to Andy Reid's. So those are the new players, new coaches, excuse me, new coaches and the old coaches adapting to this new style. They're going to get more offensive friendly, and I think we're going to see less and less of the defensive-minded coaches. I think it's going to be harder to stop these high-powered offenses, and you're going to see more and more talented uh, wide receivers because the kids now, what they want to be is receivers. What they want to be is quarterbacks. What they want to be is running backs. I think in 10 years, the generation, there's not going to be that many good defensive pass rushers or corners because you're going to see a lot of these kids, they're influenced by the league now as it is, and it's just going to culture shift. So I think in 5 to 10 years, we're going to see a much different NFL, and that was kind of like a little preview to it with Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff and company. They want to be a big baller shot caller. Come on now, geez. Number two has nothing to do with – it has to do with sports, but it doesn't it, – It nobody made any spectacular plays. It was just a show of wholesomeness that I feel – what attracted me to sports broadcasting in the very beginning was the Iowa football tradition of the Hawkeye Wave mm. at the Children's Hospital. Look, I got into sports broadcasting because I wanted to be a part of something that connects people and brings people together for the good and helps you help them escape reality of sometimes maybe not exactly the greatest of realities. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly does that. Both opponent and home team do it, and it's just to me it's just such a wholesome thing. It's and it, they do it every home game. And yeah. it's, I don't know. I think something like that's untapped. You, you talk about traditions within college football, traditions within sports. That's something that really ought to be implemented in any stadium or, mm-hmm. or anything to give back to the community or help make some help make someone's life better, even if it is impacting one life at a time. So that takes number two for me. I'm sure there are people listen many of the debates, but mm-hmm. I I think that takes number two for me. No, it's ju- it's definitely one of the better traditions in the college football game. I agree. newer traditions, yes. and, and it's newer too. Uh, Coming in at number two was the miracles in both Minnesota and Miami. I had to combine them because there was two different occasions where two NFL teams won in last-minute instances. In Minnesota Vikings' case, it was last year's NFC Divisional Playoff round when Stephon Diggs caught a a remarkable 61-yard touchdown um, to send them to the NFC Championship game where they got creamed by the Eagles. But nonetheless, they they were down with seven seconds left. Sorry, they were down by a touchdown 
with seven seconds left, and Case Keenum just kind of threw up a prayer, and of course, Marcus Williams, he put his head down of, and, and of the Saints defensive uh, secondary. He misses the tackle. Stephon Diggs has a wide open lane to the end zone, and it was truly something remarkable. I remember ESPN talking about it for like weeks because that's how big of an event it was, even though they lost the very next weekend. And then Miami in week 14, two, three, two weekends ago, they defeated New England Patriots kind of on a similar play. They were at their own 31-yard line. They were down by – they needed a touchdown to score. Ryan Tannehill wasn't going to throw it 70 yards, but for some reason Rob Gronkowski was back there protecting a Hail Mary pass. He's a big and, man. Yeah. And anyways, they just kind of throw a hook and ladder play, Kenny Stills, to uh, one of the other receivers, and then the other receiver to Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake did a fantastic job of weaving through the defense. And then all, of he had, all he had to do, all of a sudden he was at the 10-yard line, and you saw him and Gronk kind of being the last two people there, and you knew as soon as that was going to happen, he was going to score. So I think both those plays are really cool because a lot of times you love to see last-minute plays like that in any sport, but in the NFL they've had two really good ones in this past year. Very well said. I like this. I like this is some in-depth analysis here. <laughs> you know. Now, number one for me is UMBC upsetting number both one Virginia. Mm-hmm. And simply put, I guess we can both talk about this at the same time, or not the same time, but that ruined my bracket. I think that we talk about Loyola busting my bracket. I think I had Miami out in the sweep, the round of Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. I had Virginia get into the Final Four. In fact, no, I had Virginia get into the national championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never yeah. trust Virginia. Yeah, you know how many red the- lines I saw on my bracket? I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's a commie takeover, man. It was so bad because just. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it's hard for me to hate UMBC because they had some bitching shirts that we bought. Oh, yeah. You must be Cinderella, and we purchased those. That was fantastic. Probably the best purchase I've made in my short life. Mm-hmm. So. Before that, I don't think anyone in this world would have known what UMBC stands for, but they that was the first time that a 16 seed has ever defeated a 1 seed. Do you know what UMBC seed. stands for? Yeah, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I just wanted to ask no, because no. I, I, I've occasionally forgotten. In fact, I have it Wikipedia in case yeah. I need a quick, you know. No, yeah. And they're the Retrievers, right? That's their yes, sir, uh, mascot Golden name. Retrievers. Yes, Golden sir. Retrievers. So props to them, man. I mean, they, they're going to be – they sketched their name in the history books. I mean, yeah, yeah, they if, did. You, if you're on Twitter and you follow their Twitter account, I recommend you do if you don't. But they're, they're truly funny. I mean, they're going to run with that probably to like the end of – I don't know the NCAA as it is. Or they, I don't deserve know. The, they deserve that. They deserve that, and they deserve because it's not going to happen again. Exactly, it probably will never happen again. Even watching that game, I don't know if you're watching it live, but I was watching it live before at work, and I was just thinking like, because it wasn't a close game. They won seventy four to fifty four. They just dominated the whole game, and you're just like, okay, Virginia's going to come back now. Virginia's going to no, no, and they just kept it at such a distance. They never. I don't think Virginia in the second half got within at least ten points. So they had like a steadily thing, and like you just saw the build up to it. I remember like five minutes, all the players were cheering. Two minutes left to go, all the players were like screaming. You know, and it was just it was a crazy moment in sports. You're gonna hear it now, folks. Noah, this is on air. This mm-hmm. is this is binding. If another 16 seed wins, I will get golden retrievers tatted on my arm, <laughs> and whichever the other team okay. gets away. This is binding because I'm so sure of it that it's not going to happen. Okay. Again, a 16 yeah. seed and a number one seed. Yes, in my lifetime. If I'm dead, don't you guys come defile my damn gravesite. <laughs> now, time for notable mentions because I did have a few, but I didn't feel that they were worthy enough to make my top ten. Mm-hmm. Golden State Warriors win the finals. Okay. Again, you know, that's a dynasty in the making. You got yes. yeah, you, you got to give props to Exactly. You got to give props to when something's being made. John Gruden and Herm Edwards come out of retirement and return to coaching. I thought oh, that was pretty yes. significant. Herm Edwards is a little crazy. I'm pretty sure he's... He's got to take his vitamins Borderline. every day. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to take his vitamins every day. And I think John Gruden thinks he's playing Madden out there. Yeah. By the way, the Raiders have been going. So, Oof. unsure. Uh, Alabama continuing their dominance. 17th official NCAA-sanctioned 
championship win mm-hmm. that they had following their victory. And then uh, the Larry Nassir sentencing, don't want to get delved too much into that. Not exactly happy news, but mm-hmm. justice was served for many victims due to the Michigan State mishandling yeah. of the sexual allegation and abuse. And then the biggest one that my dad and I and maybe a few others share, the legalization of sports gambling, which yeah. ought to change the Huge. sports landscape for a few years ahead of time. we got to see how it's going to all shake out and implement but I felt that those were some notable mentions in the year of 2018, which has been an uh, interesting year, suffice yeah. to say. I will quickly brief or quickly mention my honorable mentions. You already mentioned one of them. You put him at number 10, or I think 9, but the Chucky Lozano in Mexico defeating mm. Germany. Um, I also had the A's, kind of like a team oh, that yes. weren't predicted to go to the playoffs at all, but they went on this miraculous run and were kind of toe-to-toe in August for much of the time with the Houston Astros. They eventually dipped off, and they lost in the wild card game. But the run that they went on especially suffering some of the injuries they face, but just guys like Matt Chapman, Jed Lowry, and some of the other guys on their team that really no one ever heard about before this season, they really just put on a show and, and went so far. And it was I like seeing teams like that, the underdog team, kind of go far. And unfortunately, they, you know, they fell short in the playoffs again. Another event of mine that was an honorable mention, Tunnelgate. I don't know if you remember this, but this was back in last year's NBA season when Blake Griffin was still on the Clippers. Chris Paul and the Rockets came to Los Angeles and something was said between Blake Griffin and coach Mike D'Antoni and during the game and basically the players were beefing and Austin Rivers was yapping from the sidelines he was injured but basically after the game because Chris Paul used to play for the Clippers and he knows how Staples Center is he took a few players I think it was Gerald Green uh, James Harden and somebody else to basically through this back tunnel that connects both the locker rooms it's a back tunnel for use for celebrities and stuff because it's Staples Center right and he took this tunnel goes up to the locker room door and he basically wanted to start a fight. It was, it was very high schoolish. I remember when this news broke and I just thought that was a moment I had to worth uh, worth mentioning because it was just like one of those what the f moments. Like you mean you're a grown player like playing in the NBA? Questions. Are we just throwing gate after everything? First it was Watergate, the actual OG gate. <laughs> Shout out to Nixon. And then there was Deflate Gate. Mm-hmm. And now there's Tunnel Gate. Yeah. I mean we're just we're just we're just, we're just throwing everything. Right. I mean, that's... Speaking of UMBC gate, controversies all across the board, man. And then the last honorable mention, Andrew Luck playing football again. I think all of last year, it was kind of just sad to see. You never, There was literally at a point of last year where we didn't know if Andrew Luck was going to play again. And to see him kind of sling the football around and seeing that Captain Andrew Luck, uh, I don't know if you follow that Twitter account, but yes. Captain Andrew Luck Dear's Twitter mother. account be yes. active again because he's now playing and the Colts are good and it's good to see because Andrew Luck's good for football no absolutely and he's a good guy yeah. no straight oh, up like I think you see all the jokes about like he'll get hit really hard and he's like hey great job hitting me like dude yeah, yeah. it's like, like great sack it's yeah like, it's like bro, what's wrong what you with do? you I just pummeled you to the ground like trying to break it back homie <laughs> trying to get that paycheck <laughs> but no he's a great guy and it really is great to see him playing football again and he quickly I think he's quickly going to find himself in more elite company mm-hmm. hey it's Noah Alvarez here, and again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Podfathers Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our final top 10 list of the most memorable sports moments in 2018. Like I said before the podcast started, we have some really good content coming out in the year of 2019, but before the year of 2018 is over, we do have our best movies of the year coming out, and I'm excited about that one. I'm having a new guest co-host on that show we're going to talk about some of the new movies that came out this year kind of rate them our biggest disappointments shockers and so on and so forth so stay tuned for that again be sure to like share follow us and subscribe we are on apple podcast spotify and soundcloud.com 
And if you have the time, be sure to leave us a review. Again, happy holidays from all of us here at the Podfathers Podcast. And I'm Noah Alvarez, signing out.